Welcome to Seven Mile Ministry. We hope you enjoy this message. It says, who forgives all your iniquities, who heals all your diseases, and all is all. All your iniquities, who forgives them? God. All your diseases, who heals you from those? God. It's a past tense thing. It's something that's already been provided to you. You're not waiting on him to go to the cross. He's already been to the cross. We're living on this side of victory. We're not praying for a victory. We're praying from a victory. You need to wrap your minds around that. We're, all, we're on this side of it. It's already taking place. Amen. Um, in Isaiah, the 53rd chapter, the fourth verse, surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows, yet we esteem him stricken, smitten by God, and afflicted. But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement for our peace was upon him. And by his stripes we were healed. And right there in the third verse where it says, surely he's borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Well, that word, if you look it up and study it in the, in the uh, Hebrew, you look it up and study it in the Greek, you'll see that uh, the born our griefs and carried our sorrows is talking about sickness and disease. It's talking about our healing. And you don't necessarily have to have a... Uh, Strong's Concordance or have to look it up and, 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 and look at commentary or anything like that. You can just look into the New Testament and you can look right here in Matthew, the 8th chapter, starting in the 16th verse. It says, When evening had come, they brought to him many who were demon-possessed, and he cast out the spirits with the word and healed all who were sick, that it might be fulfilled uh, which was spoken by Isaiah the prophet, which is what we just read. He himself took our infirmities and bore our sickness. You see, it's quoted. He's quoting it there. It's quoted. It's interpreted for you. The commentary's already been done because it comments on it. And then Jesus fulfilled it. Amen? That's good news. So I want you to see, it's important that you see right here that he himself took our infirmities and he bore our sicknesses. It's already been done for you and I. The work's already been done. Healing belongs to you. It's part of the atonement. You're not working for it. You're not waiting on it. It's already been provided to you. Just what Sid said, you got to reach out and take it. You've got to receive it. It belongs to you. He told the children of Israel to go get it. That's yours over there. Go get it. Go take it. Amen? So Jesus died for both. And if you look in... And do some studying if you're a Bible nerd or whatever you want to call it um, you look up words and the Greek word is sozo for salvation and that word is used over 300 times in the New Testament but that word sozo which means saved it also means healed so anytime you see saved you see the word sozo it also means healed that's because you don't get to get one without the other it's a package deal he died for the forgiveness of our sins. He took our infirmities and he bore our diseases. He healed all our diseases and he forgave us of all our sins. You see, it goes together. Now, that's not commonly taught in the church today, not believed in the church today. It's, uh, you know, it's, it's like separated. Salvation's one thing and healing's an entirely another different thing. But that's not true. It's together. And I've heard... People teach on Isaiah 53 saying that where it says by his stripes we were healed, that's not talking about your body, that's talking about your spirit. But if you go read in 2 Corinthians the 5th chapter 17th verse, it tells you in there, guess what? You're a new creation. The old things have passed away. 
and you're a new creation. You have been recreated. You're new. It's new. When this says by his stripes, you were healed, and it heals you of all your diseases. That's talking about your physical body, that you've been healed, that you're healed. Healing has been provided to you. Amen? So why do we see sickness? If we've been healed, why do we see sickness? Well, let's ask this question. Why do we see sin? If we've been forgiven of sin, then why do we still see sin? Well, because we sin, don't we? He didn't just take it away and make it where you're incapable of sinning. You have a choice. You can go out and sin and do any, anything that you'd like to do. You can just run out headfirst into traffic if you'd like. Why do we see a lot of things? Why do we see uh, bad things happen to good people? Because we live in a fallen world that's full of sin. And the little G, which is the God of this world, which is Satan, guess what? He's in control of things. I thank the Lord we're not from this world. We're from another place, aren't we? We're just ambassadors of Christ, and we're just passing through. Praise the Lord. I want you to wrap your mind around healing's part of the atonement, okay? Uh, and sometimes people pray, and I've heard them talk and heard this language that they believe that he can. But we'll have to just wait and see uh, what happens, and then if we pray and we wait and see, and the person's healed, then we'll know it's God's will. And if the person's not healed, then we'll know it's not God's will. Well, that's, that doesn't really, what if you pray did say, God, help me not to sin? But then you sinned, would you say, well, I guess it was God's will for me to sin. He let me sin. Well, I know. You see how silly it is? You have to try hard just to mess this thing up. But we do a good job of it, don't we? The sovereignty of God, and that's misused so, so much. In other words, we're going to pray and ask God to heal you, but he's sovereign. It's just totally up to him. You know what? That's not true. It's up to you. It's up to you. He's given you the choice. I mean, to say it's God's sovereign and every, basically what people, if you look at the dictionary, uh, sovereignty, uh, the, I agree with that. But if you look at the way religion teaches it, I don't, which means everything that happens, God makes it happen. No, he doesn't. He said it's not his will that any shall perish. People go to hell every day. People bow down and worship other false gods every day. Is that his will? Well, heavens, no. Yeah, I remember a few years ago, there was a little infant baby found in a dumpster or the mom or dad or someone tossed this infant in the dumpster to say that's God's will, that everything happens for a reason and all this stuff. Is that the God we serve? And if God kills you, if, God, if it's his will for you to be sick and die, that's God's will for you to die then that means he, would, he killed you. That would make him a murderer. That would go against his own commandments. Thou shalt not kill. He can't go against his own word. So I want you to understand, sickness and disease is not coming from God. You have to understand where it comes from and go ahead and get that settled uh, before we even go any further. And we've been talking about this for six weeks. I hope, hope we're getting it. I'm not sure that we are. Y'all look at me like you want to hurt me. Maybe I need to preach on forgiveness. We said, well, God allowed it to happen. Now, I'm going to tell you who allowed it to happen. You did, and I did. We allow things to happen. 
we're passive. See, this whole sovereignty of God thing, when you, when you preach that, teach that, believe that, that makes you a passive person just saying, well, it's not up to me. What happens, what happens, God's going to do what he wants to do anyway. If God's going to do what he wants to do anyway, why would we even stand and pray? He's going to do what he wants to do anyway. No, that's just not true. And it makes you passive. And, you know, I look at things that happen in my life and think, I allowed that to happen. Just like Adam allowed it to happen. When Satan came in the garden, he allowed it to happen. He didn't stand up and take the authority that he had been given from God because he had authority over Satan. He had authority, dominion over everything. He didn't use the authority that had been given to him. You know what? We do the same thing as born again, uh, spirit-filled believers. We don't use the authority that's been given to us. We've got authority over the enemy. And we need to use the authority that's been given to us. Praise the Lord. So some people still believe that it's God's will for you to be sick and that he put a sickness on you to teach you a lesson or what have you. Now, let me ask you this question. If he did put sickness on you, and if it was his will for you to be sick, then why would you go to the doctor? If it's his will, you're going against his will by going to the doctor. Don't take any of those. If it's his will for you to have this pain or ache, don't take any medicine. You're getting the poor doctor out of the will of God, the nurse out of the will of God, the hospital, the pharmacist, everybody's out of the will of God now. And they don't even know it. But let me tell you, we've been set free from both sin and sickness. We've been set free from both of them. Amen. All right. Now, he, I've got a lot of scriptures today. Several of them I'm just going to go through quickly, but the reason I've got them on here is because I want you to see them with your own eyeballs. And if you're a note taker, I want you to write them down. If you have your Bible, I want you to underline them or circle them. And uh, I want you to, you know, use your Bible. It's a tool. It is a tool. It's an instruction manual for life. And any problem you have or situation you have, the answer is in there. In Hebrews, the first chapter, the third verse says, Who being the brightness of his glory and the express image of his person, Upholding all things by the word of his power, when he had himself purged our sins, sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high. Now I want you to put, I want you to pay close attention there. Being the brightness of his glory and the express image of his person. Expressed image of his person. In John the fifth chapter, the nineteenth verse, Jesus answered and said to him, Most assuredly I said to you, the Son can do nothing of himself. But what he sees the Father do, for whatever he does, the Son also does in that like manner. Why? Because he's the expressed image. He is, the exact, he is representing, he is not mis misrepresenting God, he is representing God. A perfect rest, uh, representation, the expressed image of God our Father. In John the 14th chapter, it says, If you had known me, you would have known my Father also. And from now on you know him and have seen him. Why? Why do you know God and why do you know the Father? Because you've seen Jesus. He's saying, because you've seen me. And then Philip says to him, Lord, show us the Father and it is sufficient for us. And Jesus said to him, have I been with you so long and you still have not known me, Philip? Who has seen me has seen the Father. So how can you say, show us the Father? Do you not believe that I am in the Father and the Father in me? The words that I speak to you, I do not speak on my own authority, but the Father who dwells in me does the work. So what I'm telling you, and you also go read John 8, 
just read the whole chapter. It's rich. But it's saying that if you've seen Jesus, you've seen the Father. Jesus is representing the Father. If you've seen Jesus work, you've seen the Father work. You want to know what the Father's like? You want to know about his love, his mercy, his grace? You want to know anything about him? Look unto Jesus. So Jesus went around healing. Healing, 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 healing. I mean, there's so many scriptures. There's a list a mile long of all the people healed and all the people that Jesus touched and all the good that he did. Now, if God's out uh, making people sick and bringing sickness upon people and disease on people, then I would say Jesus did a really bad job of representing God. But he didn't. He did represent God and he did an excellent job. Amen. Now, we're going to go through these right here really quick. You won't find one example, and boy, there's way more. But you won't find one example where Jesus did anything bad to anybody. You won't find any example where Jesus uh, didn't heal anybody that wanted to be healed. His own hometown, he said he couldn't couldn't do any works there. Why? Because they didn't believe. They didn't have any faith. He couldn't. So we're going to go through this quickly. I want you to see it. Matthew 8, 16. When the evening had come, they brought to him many who were demon-possessed. He cast out the spirits with the word and healed all who were sick. How many did he heal? A few of them, some of them, most of them. No, all of them. He healed all of them. Matthew 4, chapter. Jesus went about Galilee, teaching in synagogues, preaching the gospel of the kingdom and healing all kinds of sickness and all kinds of disease among the people. All kinds. He's going around healing. Then Jesus went about the cities and villages, teaching the synagogues, preaching the gospel, kingdom, healing every sickness and every disease among the people. Another one. But when Jesus knew it, he withdrew uh, from there and great multitudes followed him and he healed them all. He healed them all. Not one instance will you find where he didn't heal them. He's always healing them. He is representing God. Does God make you sick? Does God put sickness on you? No. Our God's a God of healing. Amen. And when Jesus went out, he saw a great multitude. He was moved for compassion for them, and he healed their sick. Uh, When they had crossed over, they came to the land of Gennesaret, and the men in that place recognized him. He sent out into all the surrounding region, brought to him all who were sick, and begged him that they might only touch the hem of his garment. And as many had touched it were made perfectly well. And the first thing I think about when I read that is I go back to the woman with the issue of blood when she said, if I just touch the hem of his garment, and it's most popular in Mark, the fifth chapter, if I just touch the hem of his garment, I'll be made whole. And she touched the hem of his garment. He says, sister, darling, uh, your faith has made you whole. Your faith has made you whole. She reached out and grabbed it. Just what we're talking about. She reached out and took it. Y'all awake out there. She reached out there and grabbed it. Here's another one. Then the great multitudes came to him, having with him the lame, the blind, the mute, the maimed, and many others. And they laid down at Jesus' feet, and he healed them. Another one. When the sun was setting, all those who had uh, any sick with various diseases brought to him. And he laid his hands on every one of them, and he healed them. Are we getting the point? Is Jesus a healer? Is he our healer? But when the multitudes knew it, they followed him and they received him and spoke to them about the kingdom of God and he healed all those who had a need of healing. Does anybody here have a need of healing? I guarantee you, the majority of the people in here has got a need of healing, some shape, some form, some fashion. Guarantee it. There's people you come in contact with every day of your life that need some type of a healing. 
wherever he entered, into the villages, cities, or the country, wherever he went. They laid the sick in the marketplaces, begged him that they might touch the hem of his garment. The men that touched him were made well. And then the last one here in Acts, the 10th chapter, 38th verse. How God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power who sent about doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil. Now these people that were sick, it says here, they were oppressed by the devil. That tells you where sickness and disease comes. It comes from the devil. It definitely doesn't come from God. And that Jesus was anointed with, Holy, with the Holy Spirit with power and he went about doing good. That is a perfect representation of our Father. So you wonder where healing sickness comes from? It is not coming from God. God's not putting sickness on you to teach you a lesson. If you've ever heard that, you better erase that, blank that out of your mind. God's not teaching you a lesson. Why would he send Jesus to go to a cross and die for you, for your sins and die for your diseases and your sickness and then put sickness back on you to teach you? It sounded like he'd be kind of a confused God if he did that, wouldn't he? But he's not. The only confusion's right here on planet Earth, and that's between our ears. It's not God's will that any should perish. In Second Peter, the uh, third chapter, in the ninth verse, says, "The Lord's not slack concerning His promise, as some count slackness, but is long-suffering towards us." And what's it say here? Not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. That's our God. He's not willing that any should perish, but do people perish? Sure. Do people go to hell? Absolutely. But that's not God's will. His will is for you to live a good life right here. His will is for you to go out and preach the gospel. His will is for you to lay hands on the sick so that they shall recover. His will is for you to impact the kingdom of God, get some people saved, get some more people going to heaven. That's his will. His will, his will is that none should perish, but that we should all have everlasting life. Amen. He even says right here in Matthew, the seventh chapter, he says, enter by the narrow gate, for wide is the gate and broad is the way that leads to destruction. And there are many who go in by it because narrow is the gate and difficult is the way which leads to life and there are few that find it. What's he saying here? It's his choice that we go down the narrow gate. But he plainly says that broad gate, it's like malfunction junction down there. It's packed out. There's a big old traffic jam, people trying to get in that broad gate, going down the broad gate, the way of destruction. We need to go down the narrow, narrow path, the narrow gate. That's his will. And we must receive it and we must appropriate it. Now, I hate to keep, just keep going back and saying that's what Sid said, that's what Sid said, but that's what he said. He said we've got to receive it. We've got to take it. We've got to appropriate it. We got to lay hold. You got to grab it. Grab it and growl. If anybody tries to take it from you, that's when you start growling. Yeah. What's the saying? Grab it, grab it and growl. Eat it and howl or something like that. Yeah, that's when you're eating lunch. You know, suck. We have authority, and we have power. Praise the Lord. Jesus told his disciples, he said, you have authority and you have power. He said, I give it to you. In Matthew, the 10th chapter, the first verse, says he called his 12 disciples to him. He gave them power over unclean spirits to cast them out, to heal all kinds of sickness and all kinds of diseases. What did he give them? He gave them power. Power to do what? 
cast him out, heal the sick, all kinds of diseases. And then he's giving them directions. He's giving them instructions. And we'll skip down to the eighth verse. He says, heal the sick, cleanse the lepers, raise the dead, cast out demons. Freely you have received and freely you have, uh, freely you have received, freely give. It reminds me of Peter at the, lane, at the gate, the lame man's there. He says, I'm gonna give you what I've got. What do you have? Well, he had received forgiveness. He had received healing. He had received power. He had received authority freely. He didn't work for it. He didn't earn it. It's a free gift. Amen. Just like your birthday present. Somebody comes over and brings you a gift. You didn't work for it and earn it. It's not a paycheck. It's a free gift. But you have to reach out and grab it. You have to receive what somebody's brought you. Um, so this, this power right here to heal the sick, cleanse the lepers, freely you have received, freely give. You got to understand that you got it, that you've got it. You've got it. Are you, a, are you a born again believer? You've got it. Are you filled with the Holy Spirit? You've got it. You got the same power residing on the inside of you, the same power that raised Christ Jesus from the dead. You've got it. And you've got to do something with what you've got. God doesn't come around and go around preaching the gospel for us. That's already been done. Jesus already came. He said, repent for the kingdom of God's at hand. He already went to the cross and died for us. God's not going around preaching the gospel for us. He tells us to go and preach the gospel. Likewise, God's not going around doing the healing for you. He's given you the power and the authority. You have to appropriate it. You have to receive it. You have to use what's been given to you. Amen. Sometimes me and the boys get talking about this guy that we know that, that uh, used to race dirt bikes. And he had the chance to be I mean, national level good, you know, just natural talent, um, God-given talent. And he could just get right up off the couch. He could go sit on the couch for a year and drink beer and eat donuts and show up and beat everybody just because he's just natural good. But he doesn't do anything that with what he's been given. He, he, he doesn't do it. We, we talk about man, what, what if, what if? What if he trained? What if he exercised? What if he ate or died? And what if he did this? And what if he did that? How good could he be? And I think about what about us? What if we use what had been given to us? The power that's been given to us. What if we use the authority that's been given to us? Because it, God's no respecters of person. That's not a, a, a God-given natural talent that I'm talking about. I'm talking about, you know, God gives everybody different talents. But I'm talking about this power and authority has been given to all. It's been given to all. You've got it just the same as me. You've got it just the same as Billy Graham. You've got it just the same as your favorite preacher. Amen. Praise the Lord. I know this is like totally new for some people. Um, but what in the world? Who do you think you are saying you got the power? And who do you think you are saying you got the authority? Well, I'm just who God said I am. I'm just who he said I am. I'm the hands and feet. You've got to be the hands and feet. He operates through you. He operates through me. If you think he's just going to show up in, in, in somebody's home and just walk in and just start picking and choosing who he's going to heal or what he's going to do, no. He operates through a human being. He needs you. He needs me. That's why he tells us to go out and do these things.
Amen. He flows through a person. Let's look right here in Ephesians. Now to him who is able to do exceedingly abundant above all that we ask or think. But don't stop right there. He is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think. According to what? The power that works in us. He's working in us. He's working through you. He can do all these things through you. He needs you. He needs me to use the power and authority that's already been given to us, that's already been provided to us. He's not fighting the devil. The devil's not come against him. In case you haven't heard, they've already had a showdown and Satan lost. He lost the keys. Jesus come up out of the grave. He's sitting on the right hand of the throne of God. Satan lost. We're victorious. Amen. So it's you and I that have to resist Satan, resist the attack of the enemy. It says right here in James, the fourth chapter, the seventh verse, therefore submit to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. It's you and I that have to resist. We use the power and authority that's been given to us to resist, to resist. Amen. Don't just lay down and take it. We're so quick just to lay down and take it. I'm telling you. I find myself doing it too, and I have to snap out of it. In Acts, the third chapter, the first verse, now Peter and John went up together to the temple the ninth hour, uh, at the ninth hour. And a certain man, lame from his mother's womb, was carried. It was 38 years. 38 years. If you go read over in the next chapter, you'll see that. Whom they laid there daily at the gate of the temple, which is called Beautiful, to ask alms for those who entered the temple. Who seeing Peter and John about to go into the temple, he asked for alms. He's got his, he's got his bucket out there and he's shaking it with some change and he's needing a couple coins. And those coins that he'd been laying out there getting for all those years hadn't helped him in one bit, had they? They might have filled, put some food in his belly. But Peter's got a little something else for him. He says, fixing his eyes on him with John, Peter said, look at us. Look right here, look at us. So he gave them his attention, expecting to receive something, something from them. Now, that's, that's huge right there. You got to be expecting to receive something. Expecting to receive something. I mean, you need to come in with some expectation on Sundays. You need to come in with some expectation on Wednesdays. When you go and you just seek the Lord at your house on your own driving down the road, you need to be expecting something. I mean, expecting to hear from him. Expecting for some direction. Expecting expecting. And Peter said, silver and gold I do not have, but what I do have I give to you. In the name of Jesus Christ or Nazareth, rise and walk. And he took him by the hand, right hand, and he lifted him up. And immediately his feet and his ankle bones received strength. Now he said he reached out and he grabbed him. Well, the man had to reach forth. They had to lock hands. They had to grab hands. The man could have just resisted and said no, but they grabbed hands and Peter pulled him up to his feet. That man reached out. He reached out. He, Peter reached his hand down. The man reached his hand up and they grabbed and he pulled him back up to his feet. It's important to know you got to reach out and take it. You got to reach out and receive it. You got to reach out and grab what's yours. It says, so he leaping up stood and walked and entered the temple with them, walking, leaping and praising God. Amen. You know, Peter only spoke. He just said, hey, I don't have any money. But what I do have, I'll give to you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise and walk. In the name of Jesus, rise and walk. Now, you know if, if Peter said that today, he'd be kicked out of most churches. He would. 
Because most churches are probably, oh, sovereign God, I am nothing, I have nothing, I can do nothing without you, but if it's your will, would you heal this poor man? And if it's not, just give him peace to live out the rest of his days in misery until he dies, or something like that. I've heard prayers like that. Seriously, I have. But Peter didn't pray that. He didn't even pray at all. It's like he really believed that he had the power and authority. And he used the power and authority that he had and the man received it and leaped to his feet. Amen. That's the same power and authority that you and I have. Praise the Lord. God's already done it. You're not waiting on him. I'm not waiting on him. We're not waiting on him. He's waiting on us. The work's already been done. It's already been completed. Praise the Lord. He's not gonna have to go back to the cross again. He's already done it. In Colossians, the second chapter, the sixth verse, it says, as you therefore have received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him. That means it's a done deal. That means he doesn't have to go back to the cross again. You're not waiting on him to go back to the cross so that you can receive forgiveness. You're not waiting on him to receive stripes on his back again so that you can receive healing. You're not waiting on it. It's already been done. It's already been completed. I believe if you read in the next scripture there, in the seventh verse, I don't have it, but I believe it says to be rooted, to be rooted and to be built up in the faith, established in the faith, built up in him. If you've got your Bible and you're reading the seventh verse there, you need to go ahead and underline that one too because it's good. Praise the Lord, it's all good. Kid asked me the other day, what's your favorite verse? And I was like, man, I don't know. I've got a lot of favorite verses. I don't have any, do you? I can tell by the way you're looking at me. You got to take it. I can't stress that enough. We got to take it. Take what belongs to us. Lay hold of it. What about the man with the withered hand? That is a perfect representation of the church. This man's here with this withered hand and he says, stretch forth your hand. Stretch forth your hand. That's a picture of the church. It's already been provided to us. Everything has already been done. It's already been accomplished. And the church just sits around with this withered hand. And you got to stretch forth. You got to stretch it forth. That's what he said. He said, stretch forth that withered hand. And the man was healed as soon as he stretched forth, wasn't he? Because he stretched forth and took what had been provided to him. Now, one time I said this. I said, I said, uh, Jesus, if you're, if you're waiting on God to heal you, I mean, you're not. If you're waiting on him to provide healing, you're not. Because he's already provided it. If you're waiting on him to provide forgiveness, you're really not because he's already provided it. He provided his son, Jesus, who went to a cross and died for you and me. Forgiveness was on that cross. Grace and mercy was on that cross. Healing was on that cross. Peace that surpasses all understanding was on that cross. Provision was on that cross. A happy marriage was on that cross. Joey unspeakable was on that cross. If you're, you, God, he's not gonna come and redo it. So anyway, this woman went and made a Facebook post. She said, I've heard it said that God doesn't heal anymore, but my God still heals. Of course, it was aimed at me and I'm thinking, well, you heard it said. Yeah, you heard it this morning because I said it. But you totally took it out of context and twisted and turned it around. Are you a CNN reporter or what? 
What I'm saying is he's already done it. He's already done it. It's up to, up, to, up to us to receive what's already been provided. Praise the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Now, um, when I say stretch forth, lay hold, and grab this thing, I mean you got to hang on to it. You got to hang on to it like you're up there at the lake on the inner tube and somebody's trying to sling you off and you're not letting go. Hang on to it like you're on the side of a cliff and you're just hanging on to one little tree root and it's a 500 foot fall into some jagged rocks. Well, it really wouldn't matter if you fell 500 feet into a, a bed of cotton. It'd probably kill you. Now I'm talking about hang on to it. Hang on to it. Don't let anything knock you off the word. Don't let anything talk you out of it. Don't let anything change your mind. Because that's where it's going to start. It's right there between your ears. Amen. In 1 Timothy, the 6th chapter, 12th verse, fight the good fight of faith. Lay hold on eternal life to which you were also called and have confessed the good confession in the presence of many witnesses. That, I mean, we could preach a whole sermon on that. But to fight the good fight of faith, you're fighting it. God's not fighting it. God's already uh, been victorious. Satan, he, he fell like lightning from heaven. It wasn't much of a fight, let me tell you. Fell like lightning from heaven. But it's you and I that's got to fight. How do you fight? You lay hold on eternal life. You hang on to this word. You confess this word. You confess it. You speak it. You don't confess the opposite of this word. You don't say, well, yeah, everybody at work's sick. I'm probably going to be next. Yeah. It always happens to me. I always get it. Well, confess that if you want. Uh, what do we say about that if you say so? If you say so. I'm never going to get ahead. I'm always going to be poor. If you say so. I don't talk like that, neither should you. But you've got to take this thing, you've got to lay hold of this thing and don't let go of it. Does that, that make sense to you? You've got to make up in your mind that this word is what I'm hanging on to and this is what I'm sticking to. And regardless of what anybody else says or what anybody does, I'm hanging on to it. Praise the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. In Romans, the 10th chapter, the 9th verse, that if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, that you'll be saved. You'll be saved if you believe this and you confess this, you'll be saved. So the question is, will you receive it? The question here is not, will he forgive you? The question is, will you receive it? Well, the same question applies to healing. It's not, will he heal you? It's, will you receive the healing that's already been provided to you? Amen. Praise the Lord. There's a little effort involved and the effort is standing in faith, laying hold, stretching forth, not letting go, standing on the word of God. What comes out of your mouth is very important. What goes into your ears and gets down into your heart is very important too because what comes out of your mouth is an overflow of what's in your heart. What's in your heart. Sometimes I hear people say the S word, you know, S-H-I-T. I say, well, I guess we know what your heart's full of. <laughs> Poo-poo. Yeah. You need to put something else in there. 
Amen. And it's a gift. You're right there in Romans. If you've got your Bible, you can back up a couple pages. Romans 6, chapter 23rd verse. Now this right here is quoted all the time. For the wages of sin is death. For the wages of sin is death. Have you ever heard that? Have you ever quoted it? You ever heard anybody quote it? Well, check out the rest of the scripture. But the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. The gift of God, it's a gift. It's a gift from God. So take the gift. We've got to take this gift, all of us, me included. It's a gift from God that we just got to take it and receive it. You've got to walk by faith and not by sight. You've got to take what's been provided to you. Get a little bit of an attitude if you want to know the truth. Um, I've heard people say I've been too bad for healing I've been too bad for forgiveness you know you don't know what I've done and you don't know how I've done this and that and been too bad for healing and I just don't know let me tell you you've not been too bad for forgiveness you've not been too bad for healing because the word of God plainly says where sin abounds grace much more abounds you can't out sin the power of the blood of Jesus you can't it's absolutely impossible. There's nothing more powerful than the blood of Jesus. You gotta get to a point where you hate sickness. Do you hear me? Where you hate it. Where you just hate it. Where I hate it. I'm not gonna take it. I'm not gonna receive it. I'm not gonna accept it. I hate it. You gotta hate, uh, you gotta get to a point where you hate sickness as much as you hate uh, a child being uh, molested. I'm talking about you gotta hate it. You gotta hate it as much as you hate adultery. Hate sickness. Sickness is from the pits of hell. That's where it came from. That's where it came from. You got to hate it. You got to learn to hate it. You got to, I mean, you, you know what? I, I, I can reflect back on my life where, you know, things come your way and you just, yep, I'm sick or whatever. And just say, yeah, I guess I'm sick or yeah, you know, just, you don't really put a lot of thought into it. It's just, it is what it is. And that's not a good saying. It is what it is. Well, you got to get to a point where you, you wouldn't get sick no more than you'd commit adultery. I'm not getting sick. I'm not committing adultery. I'm not going to murder anybody. I am not getting sick. I will not get sick. Sickness doesn't belong to me. I'm not going to do it. Opportunities come every day for you to get sick, just like opportunities come every day for you to uh, walk away from the Lord and live in the world. Because Satan will present opportunities every single day, everywhere you go, everywhere you look, there is an opportunity for you to get over into sin. There's an opportunity for you to go live in the world and live for the devil. There's opportunities for you to get sick. Don't take the opportunity. Is it that easy? You make it sound that easy. Well, it's just an attitude. You gotta have an attitude. You know, God gave you an attitude. He gave you a temper. The problem is we use a temper for the wrong thing and we use a temper on each other when the Bible plainly says in Ephesians that it's not against flesh and blood. That's not your struggle. That's not your fight. But there is a struggle and there is a fight against someone else and that's who you need to use your temper on. You need to hate evil, hate sickness. Don't tolerate it. Don't embrace it. Get violent. In Matthew the 11th, chapter 12th verse, it says, from the days of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of heaven suffers violence and the violent take it by force. You gotta say, I'm taking it. I'm taking it. I'm, gonna, I'm mad about this whole thing. I'm not a beggar. I'm gonna take what belongs to me. 
this is a Presbyterian church, isn't it? Man. Brother Buddy said, you don't talk when you've got your mouth full and you're chewing your food. I think that's what he told me one time. Somebody did. Somebody that looked just like him. It had to be him. There's nobody else that looks that good. That good looking man. Now I aggravate him. Jesus purchased it for you. And I want to receive everything that's provided to us on the cross. Amen. I look at myself and my sickness that I've had in my life and sickness that may come upon me now. And you know what? Every time I look at it, it's something that I've done that's been, that I've done. I mean, uh, we go into demoing something sometimes, tearing something out, and it's got dust and uh, black mold and all kind of junk in there, and there I am right up in the middle of it just breathing it in with no mask on. I don't like wearing masks. Now, that's one time you should actually wear a mask. When you're demoing something with black mold in it, it would probably make a lot of sense. But just hard-headedness, you know? Just hard-headedness. And breathing in black mold, the next thing you know, your sinuses are all clogged up and jacked up and stopped up for about three or four days. Got a sinus infection. Well, I guess God's made me sick. Teach me something. No, you breathe in the black mold, dummy. You know, we do stuff like that. Out in the rain, when it's, you know, 35, 40 degrees and out doing something, just doing different things, and we just do silly things um, and bring things upon ourselves. And, you know, I've either caused it or I've accepted it, just accepted it, been just quick to accept it. Yep, sick. Oh, I feel a cold coming on. <laughs> I feel a cold. Would you say, well, I feel some sin coming on. Oh, man, I think I'm fixing to go and paint the town up tonight. I feel one coming on. I'm, I, I've said that before. <laughs> but it's been a long time, at least like two or three weeks. But would you say that? Oh, I feel the, oh, it's the flu. It's coming on. Oh, man, everybody else has got it. I'm going to get it. The words that come out of your mouth are mighty important. Um. Uh, you just got to make your mind up. I've just made my mind up. I don't believe in getting sick. I just don't believe in it. I don't believe in it. I believe in healing. I don't believe in going out and sinning. I believe in righteousness. I don't believe in sick. Don't believe in it. Not going to get it. Not going to get sick. I just don't believe in it. I believe Jesus went and died for me so I could be healed, and I just believe in that. I'm going to lay hold of that. I'm out there in that inner tube. Trenton's trying to sling me off. I ain't letting go. I don't care how fast he slings me if my uh, swim trunks come off. I'm still hanging on. That's happened before. I mean, if you've never been slung off an inner tube at 60, 70 miles an hour, you hadn't lived. You know? If you don't come home from the lake with a lamp, you didn't have fun. <laughs> oh me how can I say that how can you say that why because we've got power and authority over the enemy Jesus gave it to us he said it we've just read the scriptures I didn't make it up you can't disagree with me you'd have to disagree with the word of God and I surely hope you wouldn't do that amen it's truth it's life you know what to those who find it but everybody don't find it 
Some people get stuck on man-made doctrines or just let it fly over your head and go out the back door and you don't hear a thing. And we're about to wrap her up here. In Mark 11, chapter 23rd verse, for surely I say to you, whoever says of this mountain, be removed and be cast into the sea and does not doubt in his heart, but believes that those things which he says will be done, he will have whatever he says. Now look, notice here, he says, uh, Whoever says to this mountain, he's telling you to speak to the mountain. He's telling you to speak to the mountain. If you didn't have power and if you didn't have authority, it wouldn't do you a lick of good to speak to the mountain. Jesus wouldn't have said speak to the mountain because it wouldn't do any good. Because I can't muster up no power, um, power and authority no more than Abraham could. But Abraham was fully persuaded, fully persuaded that God was gonna do what God said he was gonna do, wasn't he? We read that last week that he was fully persuaded. You've got to be fully persuaded that you have the power and authority. And when you speak to the mountain, it's going to obey you. Why? Because you've got the power and authority. But so many times we go up to the mountain, instead of speaking to the mountain, we go into prayer and we're looking at this big mountain. We tell God how big this mountain is, how awful this mountain is, how long it's been there, how you've been fighting it. And you're just pushing on it just as hard as you can, telling God about it. That's not what he told you to do. He said, you speak to it. You tell it where to go. Now, some of you don't have problems telling people where to go. So why would you have a problem with telling the mountain where to go? <laughs> some of you picked up on that and some of you didn't, but the ones that did, I take it, you probably told a couple people yourself. You know, tell them to go take a hike. It's a tough crowd, tough crowd. But he says, you speak. It's important that you speak. And then therefore I say to you, whatever things you ask when you pray, believe that you receive them and you will have them. Now get a hold of this. Believe that you receive it. So if you believe that you receive it, then that means you possess it. That means you're fully persuaded. That means it is in your possession. You have it. You've laid hold of it. So how could you not? I mean, if you believe you receive it, you can't go down the road a few weeks later and say, well, I guess I didn't receive it, but you've already received it. It's like a man being tossed to and fro. It's confusion, but you have already received it. In other words, I'm not waiting to see it. I believe by faith that I have already received it in the story. I don't care what the doctor says. I don't care what the bank says. I don't care what nobody says. I don't care what the news says. Don't make me no difference. This word of God says this, and I believe I receive it, and I'm standing on this. I'm laying hold of it. You can't knock me off of it. You can't sling me off of it. It's mine. I'm stretching forth. I'm grabbing it. I'm appropriating it. I'm using the power and authority that's been given to me, and the same power and authority that raised Christ Jesus from the dead dwells on the inside of you. That's hard to wrap your mind around, isn't it? But it's true. And what you speak is important. That's why in Proverbs 18, chapter 21st verse, says death and life are in the power of the tongue. Death and life are in the power of the tongue. You can speak life or you can speak death. You can look at the mountain and you can speak life or you can speak death. You can, you can speak life to the problem or you can speak death to the problem. You can speak life to the answer or you can speak death to the answer. Do you understand what I'm saying? What comes out of your mouth is important. You have to be speaking life. 
calling things that are, that are not as though they were. People say, well, why are you saying this or why are you calling yourself healed when it's plain to see that you're not and the doctor said you're not? Why do you keep saying you're healed? Why are you doing it? Well, the word says to call things that are not as though they were. As though they were. Because you're looking through a different set of eyeballs. You're seeing things differently than the world sees them. I see myself healed. I see myself forgiven. I see it. If my dog wasn't on the front porch and I'd call out there and call him, I'd say, here, Buster. Why am I calling him? Because he's not there. Why am I calling it healed? Why am I calling things that are not as though they were? Because the word of God says to call them that. If you went by what you saw and what you feel, if you, that, anybody can do that. Anybody can do that. You can stand right here and look and see I'm wearing just some kind of blue looking shirt and I got red hair. It's not hard to figure that out because you're looking at me with your eyes. But see, that's not how Christianity works. It's this thing called faith. We walk by faith, not by sight. It, sometimes it looks totally opposite of the, of the way God tells you, what he tells you. He tells you to take one more step and all you see is a cliff and you're going to fall to sudden death. Just trust him, take a step. You're not walking by sight, but we're walking by faith. What does that mean? We're putting faith in this word right here and we believe what it says. We believe that the same power that raised Christ Jesus dwells on the inside of us. You're not just some little beggar. You're somebody. You got to walk around with an attitude. I'm not talking about being cocky towards other people or thinking you're better than them because they don't believe the way you do. No, I'm talking about the, the kingdom of God suffers violence and the violent take it by force. I'm taking it. You can't stop me because I've got power and I've got authority. This is my house. I ain't letting you up in here. Sickness don't come in my house. Satan's not going to have his way with my wife. Satan's not going to have his way with my children and get in their minds and make them think all kind of crazy stuff. Satan's not going to do it. I want to speak life over them. I'm not speaking death. I'm standing on the word of God. I'm using the power and authority. You got to man up or a woman up. But in my experiences, most of, most of the time, it's the man. If it weren't for the women, I'd be dead a long time ago. But they kept me alive. That's the truth. Praise the Lord. Anna, come on up and play, and we're going to close right here. We're not waiting on it. It's available. In 1 Peter, the second chapter, in the 24th verse. Before I read this, let me say this. When I said the same power that raised Christ Jesus dwells on the inside of you, that's in Romans, the 8th chapter, in the 11th verse. If you want to read that, write that down. He himself bore our sins in his own body on the tree that we, having died to sins, might live for righteousness. 
by whose stripes you were healed. Past tense, we've been forgiven. We went from a prison of sin, made prisoners of righteousness, by whose stripes you were healed. He did this for you. He did this for me. And if he did it, he did. And we were. And if we were, I was. And if I was, I am. That's the title of today's sermon is I am. I am what? I'm healed. I am what? I'm everything God's word says I am. I'm forgiven. I'm healed. I'm blessed. I'm highly favored. got to release what's already been given to you. Release what's on the inside of you. You're not going to heaven to get it. You're not going down to the abyss to get it, but what you're looking for is right there, real near to you. It's right there on the tip of your tongue. It's in your mouth. It's in your heart. It's the word, the word of faith that we preach is in you. It's on you. The authority's been given to you. The power's been given to you. You've got to appropriate it. You've got to use what's been given to you. Don't be passive. Be aggressive. Take it. Quit letting Satan have his way with you. Hold fast to the word no matter what. Amen. Just close your eyes for a moment. first step in receiving this power and authority, let me tell you, is giving your life to Christ. Surrendering your life to Him. Saying, hey, I can't do this anymore. I need you. So if you're here this morning and you say, I've never accepted Jesus Christ as my personal Lord and Savior. Today's my day. I'm ready to be a new creation. I'm ready to receive what's been provided to me. I'm ready to receive forgiveness. I'm not going to embarrass you. I am going to lead you through a prayer. So every head's bowed and every eye's closed. Nobody's looking around except me. If that's you and you say, I'm ready to receive Christ this morning. And I just ask you right where you are, simple as this. Just lift up your head and, and make eye contact with me so I can see your eyes. All right, everybody in here is born again on their way to heaven. Your eyes are a gateway into your spirit. That's why we do that.
praise you, Lord. I don't see or hear anything specifically. If you're here this morning and you say, I want somebody to lay hands on me. I want somebody to pray for me, agree with me. I'm ready to receive. Just like the lame man at the gate. Just like the man with a shriveled up hand. Just stretch forth. If you're ready this morning to stretch forth and lay hold of something that's already been provided to you, you can do it from your seat. If you say, I want, I want you to agree with me, pray with me, lay hands on me. Miss Anna's going to sing. And while she does, the altar is open. And we'll pray and agree with you.